Welcome to the Peds Ethics Podcast, where we talk to leaders in pediatric bioethics about a hot topic or current controversy. Here's your host, John Lantos, from the Children's Mercy Bioethics Center in Kansas City. Hi, this is John Lantos. Welcome back to the Pediatric Ethics Podcast, coming to you from Children's Mercy, Kansas City, and the Children's Mercy Bioethics Center. We have been doing a number of podcasts about the issue of children returning to school or using some form of distance learning during the COVID pandemic. Uh, We've been talking with two of our Bioethics Center faculty, Vanessa Watkin and Jeremy Garrett. They're back with us today. And we have a special guest, Shelby Rebeck, who's the Director of Health Services in the Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas, who's going to tell us a little bit about what things look like from the school nurse and school health side of things. But let's start with uh, Vanessa and Jeremy. Perhaps you can catch us up on what's going on with your families and kids uh, and going back to school. So um, my kiddos, we began virtual uh, in our school district and we began last week. Everyone was virtual. So regardless of the learning mode that you chose, I think that the virtual learning has been really good, especially compared to what we had in the spring. The teachers have been fantastic. There have been schedules. Uh, It's a lot more um, coordinated throughout the day. So there are check-in times. Uh, In the spring, it was more, okay, these are things you can do during the day. And there would occasionally be a check-in, but it was definitely not a daily. Uh, and so my kids are checking in somewhere between four and seven times per day uh, with live lectures, chances to ask questions, that sort of thing. Uh, so I could imagine that would be something that you could do longer. In fact, I think it went so well that it was hard when on the second day of school, <laughs> we were given a choice of having to decide um, or asked to decide for the whole year whether or not we wanted to do in-person or virtual. And so um, it was hard for us to decide. We had to think about that. Um, the district did end up deciding that we would have a little bit more time. Um, and if we really wanted to, we could change. So a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty, yeah. But, I mean, so much better. Kudos to all of um, the teachers that I've – I haven't heard any bad stories. I think it's – the connectivity has been great. Um, the learning oh, management system has been great. Yeah. Jeremy, uh, how about uh, your kids? Well, my experience, uh, our experience has been similar, but also very different to Vanessa's in that both of my kids or all three of my kids uh, at two different levels, elementary and middle school, have both gone to school. Our elementary school kids are full time in person and our middle schooler is uh, on a hybrid model where he's going two days a week and kids in another cohort are going two of the other days a week and everybody is online on Wednesday. So we've kind of got all of the different options represented in this conversation here. Our experience so far has been pretty positive. The in-person has been just like normal other than the precautions that have been taken at school, which don't affect us as parents exactly. Um, The kids seem to be doing well by all reports from the teachers and staff with masking and physical distancing and the school districts put up a dashboard that tracks cases in the district and out of 13,000 students and teachers and staff, actually more than 13,000, they had reported 10 positive cases last Wednesday and 
we'll see the update tomorrow to see if anything much has changed. But I haven't heard through the rumor mill or, you know, through um, official channels of, of any large concern with uh, a rise, you know, a rise in cases over the past week, which has again been also like Vanessa, the first week of school was last uh, Monday and, uh, or last Tuesday, I'm sorry. And uh, so they're in their second week of classes right now. So both of you um, seem to be having pretty positive experiences in this brave new world of COVID education. So I think it's just because of my experience. We have a second grader and a fourth grader. And I just want to share because I've, you know, I'm in touch with neighbors and friends that have kindergartners. And I just want to share um, that uh, as predicted, kindergarten uh, done virtually is not going well. Um, I haven't talked to any kindergarten parents that have been, and it's not, uh, I don't think, a fault of the district. I think it's just that age does not translate well to a virtual learning experience. So I just wanted to share that perspective because Thanks. it's not yeah, my that's perspective. Important. Yeah, yeah. Shelby, can you tell us what things have looked like both over the summer and during uh, uh, the opening weeks of school in Shawnee Mission School District? Well, um, summer went fairly well. Uh, we only had athletics going for part of the time in the summer. Right now, Shawnee Mission is in the remote or virtual uh, only mode. We are planning to start hybrid at our elementary level on October 5th. And then we are working toward an all-in-person model as uh, safety allows us to do. We do have some students with special needs in our buildings every single day. Um, these are students that maybe need speech or PT or OT or their learning needs need to be met in person. So um, while we're in this virtual or remote model, the teachers are working on masking and hand hygiene and concepts of social distancing and things like that. So hopefully when we do get into that hybrid model on October 5th with our littlest learners, um, it'll go better. Um, we won't have to quarantine as many and things like that. Tell us a little bit about the district. How many schools, how many students? So we have pre-K all the way up through an 18 to 21-year-old program. We have um, 48 buildings or learning sites. Um, so 27,000 students and about 4,000 wow. employees. And everybody is doing uh, distance learning at this point, virtual? Yes, Even except for some of our students. Yes, um, and, and except for some of our students with special needs who are in the buildings right now. And how did you pick October 5th and what uh, indicators of risk are you looking at to decide then to go to hybrid? You know, I think that was a lot of our leadership and learning uh, department. I think they were meeting with teachers. We had a significant amount of teachers who were fearful to return to the classroom. And um, we also implemented a new learning management system called Canvas. And so not only did the teachers have to learn, they already knew how to teach in the classroom, and they're awesome at that, but they had to learn this whole remote thing. And I think as Vanessa said in the spring, it was sort of um, haphazard, you know, these are the, some things you can do. But now um, it's, it's really structured. These teachers are really working hard to make this learning from home easy for students and parents. So um, I think we, we felt that we needed to give our teachers some time to get Canvas under their belts. And then also just some time 
for our own staff to adjust to the masking and social distancing and hand hygiene, you know, all those things that it, it's just such habit for us to be in rooms together without masks and close proximity. Um, so, so we took our time. We're just taking it slow, hoping that that'll make, um, you know, we'll have lower cases. And have the schools done any physical modifications, putting in air filters or uh, uh, other changes in ventilation? Yes, we have a whole department. Our operation and maintenance and our facilities department has been working with Luke Guards, um, Luke Guard out of Children's Mercy. So we've done the marking of the floors for the three to six foot distancing of desks and uh, especially in the lunchroom where that's going to be really important because those kids will be unmasked during the time they're eating. We've made changes to curriculum, um, especially like PE, where you would be doing face-to-face things. We have teachers rotating instead of students rotating to decrease congestion in the hallways. Um, And then, as you mentioned, lots of changes to ventilation, pulling. uh, The dampers are set to pull in 30% outdoor air. We've got negative airflow rooms for an isolation room. And in the nurse's office, we also have the... um, have a, I call them air scrubbers um, in our band and choir rooms. So lots of work has been done on that front. And what sort of medical screening for the kids? Does everybody get their temp taken when they come in? So Johnson County uh, Department of Health and Environment uh, did not advise mass screenings for our school districts. And if you look at CDC and American Academy of Pediatrics, they also did not recommend mass temperature screening. So we elected not to do that. But what we did do is we purchased a digital thermometer for each of our families. And we're doing what we call a daily COVID-19 assessment. So we've sent that home currently to our staff and um, special needs students who are in the building. But prior to October 5th, this will go out to our elementary learners who will be in hybrid mode. But um, basically, it just takes you through that questionnaire of, you know, do you have one of these? I believe there's 14 symptoms listed. It tells you what action to take if you have those symptoms. And then just a questionnaire um, of, you know, have you been in contact with a positive case? Are you awaiting test results? Things like that, um, that would clue a person in. And then almost every time it says, please contact your school nurse if you answered yes to any of these. <laughs> so you may be getting a lot of calls. Yes, we anticipate that. Hasn't started yet, though, since they're all still at home, right? We have a significant number of questions. I think, as Vanessa mentioned, um, we asked our parents to make a decision for the full school year as to in-person or remote learning. We've since pulled back on that um, from listening to our parents and how stressful that was going to be to them. But lots of questions about um, what are you doing in the schools to keep our students safe? Um, Because parents didn't know what choice to make until we answered those questions for them. So a significant amount of communication has been going back and forth. So one interesting thing from this conversation for me is that each of the three school districts represented here has made different choices about what to do this month. Uh, Vanessa and Jeremy, do you have any questions for Shelby about whether what your schools are doing is safe? So, I mean, I think when I've watched the Children's Mercy Town Halls um, and just sort of been following guidance on what uh, schools should be doing, 
couple of the questions I had were I, I had understood that it would make more sense to keep the kids in their rooms and then say bring the special teachers, specials being PE, music, art, that sort of thing, into their classroom so that each room kind of maintains their cohort. Similarly, I've also heard it's good for the kids to maintain having their lunch in that room. Um, and so I guess if we could just speak to, I don't know what Jeremy's district's doing or um, what Shelby thinks are, you know, you know, why- How are people machine, doing lunch, yeah. How are they doing it, yeah. Lunch and specials, yeah. So I'll answer for Shawnee Mission. Um, I think as much as possible, every building, you know, has to do what works for, for their building, um, according to staffing and student numbers and all of that. But I think for the most part, they're trying to have teachers rotate to the classrooms for those special type classes. And then for, was your second question about lunch, eating in their classrooms? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we are really struggling with that because um, according to the negotiated agreement with all of our teachers, uh, they get a 30-minute duty-free lunch. And so it was going to be really difficult to have lunch in the classroom where the teacher would be required to supervise and we have all those kids. So what I think is happening, um, at least some of the principals I've talked with, they are utilizing their cafeteria for as many kids as they can get in uh, with the six feet of personal distance. And then they're using outdoor spaces, which the kids, you know, are thinking that's super cool. And we do have kids on these committees to help us make these decisions. But then also flexible seating within the school. So maybe large multi-purpose rooms or um, hallways, gymnasiums, things like that, where um, one person or, or few a fewer number of people could supervise more children. Is there going to be room when everybody comes back uh, with all these social distancing and adjustments? Will there be room for everybody to be there in person every day? Well, I think we're really glad we're starting in hybrid um, because we can adhere to the six feet for the most part in hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But we're going to have to work on, and, and we've already done a significant amount of work removing bookshelves and you know any sort of like extraneous furniture in our classrooms. Um, and storage has been an issue. Where to put all that stuff? But um, I do think once we get everyone back full in person, we're going to have to go down to that three feet of minimum distance that the county and um, CDC and everyone is recommending. And we may even have to get creative even even with the three feet numbers. What will happen uh, when a child is quarantined, uh, when they've been exposed or tested positive? Uh, who else will be quarantined? Will you be doing contact tracing and Will everybody who's had close contact need to spend two weeks at home? Yeah, so here in Johnson County, um, we're so fortunate that the county health department is working closely with all six school districts, Um, but they have provided us with isolation and quarantine protocols. Um, They're easy to follow, and we here in Shawnee Mission are doing the exact same thing for whether it's a student or a staff member, a teacher. Um, So if we have a case a positive case in a classroom and we're notified by the parent that that student has tested positive, we will notify everyone in that classroom that there, that there has been a positive case in the classroom. Of course, we will take care 
to not personally identify anyone as that is private protected health information. But we will let everyone know, the teachers, the paras, the students, know that there was a case in the classroom that they have been exposed to. However, in Johnson County, the county health department is saying that if everyone is properly masked, wearing it over their nose and mouth, snug to their face, it's not falling down, that there is no quarantine requirement. So we are really hoping that as these remote learners work with their teachers, their teachers are doing things like saying, okay, is, we're going to, everyone go get your mask. We're going to wear our mask for the next 15 minutes. We're really hoping that these learners, these young kids will be able to mask properly in the classroom. And so we won't have to quarantine um, as many people. But in the event that someone is not masked properly, then absolutely teachers, paras, students, um, will all be um, quarantined according to that protocol. Here's the last question for each of you. Uh, at, at knowing what you know now and looking forward over the next month or two, what, what keeps you up at night? What's your biggest worry about uh, what could go wrong here? Jeremy, you want to start? Sure. I mean, I'll tell you mine for sure is is just the confluence of, of flu season and um other viruses in conjunction with COVID uh, at a time when many people are going to be going indoors more as the weather cools and it becomes harder to be outside and, uh, you know, it gets darker earlier, all those things. And um, the chaos that could ensue from (laughs) all of those factors kind of happening at once is certainly something that scares me and the thought of, um, spending all winter cooped up inside with three kids uh, and my wife and I all together is, is certainly something I'm not, I'm hoping to avoid and, and certainly scared may happen. Um, So far things seem to be good, but um, we, we have a much different situation than we'll probably have come late October and early November. And then we get into the holidays and it just seems like a lot of potential for a spike in transmissions. Yeah, we'll be we'll be checking back with you to see uh, how that plays out. Vanessa, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I echo um, all the things that Jeremy said. I think uh, parents are probably, a lot of us are in the same boat. Um, I think for us, we have made some decisions about what we're gonna be doing for the year. So we did actually confirm that we wanted to stay in person for our two children. And so um, when our kiddos go back, um, you know, sometime mid-October, you know, 100% capacity at the school or whatever percentage of students decided to stay, you know, uh, a little bit of anxiousness about whether or not that was the right choice. Um, I think all of us are just trying to make the best choices we can, all of us in all of our situations uh, with all the information we have at the moment. Shelby, what's keeping you up at night? Yeah, I think I echo what both Vanessa and Jeremy said, the confluence of the flu. And then what happens when our numbers, if our numbers reach 15% and we're in that black or all remote kind of that back to the shutdown mode, um, you know, I worry about that. And then I also worry about the frustration that's going to come about um, for parents scheduling uh, regarding quarantine and in isolation, 14 days is a long time to have to be at home for an exposure, but we know we're going to have cases in schools. You can't bring hundreds of people back into our buildings and not have cases. 
So um, I, I do worry about that level of frustration from the parents. They will be quarantining as will teachers, presumably, yeah? Correct. So there's going to be some issues both for the parents and for staffing. You know, there's a little outbreak with the teachers. Well, thank you all so much for uh, talking about this. Uh, it's an ongoing set of dilemmas, and uh, we will be touching base with Vanessa and Jeremy periodically uh, through the fall. Shelby, thanks so much for taking the time to catch us up on what's going on in uh, your very large school district. It sounds like uh, it's been an adventure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dr. Lantos. Once again, this is John Lantos with the Pediatric Ethics Podcast coming to you from Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. Thanks for joining us.